What's up, Passionate Live Church? Yes, it is me again, the double dip of dawn. Come on. I didn't have I didn't have the whole I didn't have enough to say last week. I needed to say more, okay? Um, praise the Lord for this platform. I'm always honored. Um, love it when my pastor trusts me with this stage. Uh, for those of the, you that don't know me, my name is Don Thurber. I'm one of the pastors here. I uh, want to welcome everybody online. So blessed to have you a part of Passion Life Church. And if you're going to listen throughout the week, uh, welcome. Um, I love our online. Man, we are in a, in a 21 days of prayer and fasting. And it has been amazing with all the different voices that have been on the devotionals. Man, I have been encouraged. If you are not on there, man, get on there. Start listening to the devos. They are incredible. I was super encouraged by Maggie's devotional this morning about stepping out of your comfort zone. For many of you, you do not know that I am an introvert. Hello, somebody, and I'm up here, okay? This is, that means God is good and miracles happen, okay? So <laughs> I'm happy to be here, excited to kick off Rising Up series last week. It was just kind of an intro into really what has been on my heart the past year in 2020 and leading into 2021 um, about complete obedience before the Lord not partial obedience. God doesn't want just a portion of our hearts or a little bit or 99.9% .9 of our lives. He wants all of us. And so we are going to be getting into part two of rising up. We're going to be talking about um, obedience. We're going to be rising up out of an immoral world and into the word. Let's pray and get into it. Lord, I thank you for your presence in this place. I thank you that you are good and that you are want to speak something um, intimate and deep into our hearts this morning. I pray that you would just allow, we would allow you to do that, to come in and speak your heart, your word into us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. We're going to start off with John 14, 15. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, obey my commandments. If you love me, obey my commandments. How are we supposed to do that if we don't know his commandments? We have to know his commandments in order to obey them, right? I remember uh, growing up, WWJD. Who, WWJD? WWJD. You had a bracelet. I know you did. I had one. A shirt, a poster, a bumper sticker, whatever. I mean, this is like a worldwide thing. Even non-Christians, they knew what WWJD, what would Jesus do, okay? What would Jesus do? And I want to add to that, WDTBS. WDTBS, because Jesus is the word. What does the word say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Listen, I have been practicing WDTBS all week long. I have said this about a thousand times. WDTBS. We need to make shirts and wristbands because we need to know what the word says. In order to obey his commandments, we need to know what the word says. And listen, in our culture and in this past um, year and, and, I mean, for centuries, we have been battling each other. And, and, and that phrase, we're the only army that shoots at each other. This is so evident the last year that Christians are battling Christians. If we could just all get on the same page, 
No pun intended, right? We need to get in the word of God and stop battling one another and start battling the real enemy who is the father of lies. His name is the devil who is constantly lying to us. Stop battling each other and start getting on the same page in the word of God. WDTBS, what does the word say? Because in our culture, this is so countercultural. Uh, the, the culture does not want you to get into the word. Okay, the culture just, it says, do not, you, you make up your own happy. Your truth is yours and you can, and I can have my truth and whatever makes us happy. But guess what? There's only one truth and he sits on the throne clothed in majesty and he conquered sin and death and his name is Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and he's the only way, the truth, and the life. And we need to go before him into his word, into the truth, and find out what it says. How can we obey his commands if we don't know them? WD, TBS, come on, you're going to know that. If you don't get anything from this message, I want you to get this. Go to the word. Seek God's truth in your life. No matter what we are arguing about, no matter how many disagreements that we have, we need to always go to the truth. I love that our nation was founded on God because our forefathers knew that we needed a moral standard to live by. Because if we were to take our own moral standard and say, this is my own moral standard, we would have no morality. And that's exactly what's happening in our culture today. There's no morality and so we have the, the word of God as a guideline and a rubric for our lives to say, this is our standard of excellence and morality to live by. And that's what we need to do. We need to do WDTBS. We're the only army that is constantly shooting at ourselves. We need to stop doing that. I want to look at the Ten Commandments. What does the Bible say? D Jesus didn't come to get rid of the law. He came to fulfill it. He came to fulfill it. And what does that mean? We don't li live under legalism. We live under the law through grace and love. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful thing? Thank you, Jesus, that we're not stoned outside of the city, okay? He's given us love and grace with not religious ob obligation, but with love to fulfill these commands. And so I'm going to condense the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. 1 through 17, you can go into your Bibles at a different time. But I want to kind of condense the, the Ten Commandments. I want to go over them with you. The first one is you must not have any other God but me. I love this. Put God first. first. First commandment. Put him first in every area of your lives. Every area. It, it seems uh, uh, simple, and it is simple. We're the ones who complicate things. We, what does the word say? Put God first in every area. The second one is you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or any image or anything in the heavens or on the earth or in any area. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God. This, is, this kind of pairs with the first one, right? We shouldn't worship any idols. We shouldn't put anything else above God or even second, third, fourth, fifth. We, we should not be worshiping any other God. Three. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. I love this one because this is emphasizing how important the name of Jesus is. 
that the name of Jesus is above anything in your life, above worry, above anxiety, above depression, above anger, above generational curses. He is above all of that. He's above it. And so he's saying, my name is important. And you need to understand the value of the name of Jesus, that we can claim his name over any situation or circumstance in our life. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Four, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. God rested on the seventh day. We need to rest. We need to come to his house, get filled up with the word. We need to get filled to overflowing spiritually, mentally, emotionally. When we come and rest in the Lord through worship and through listening to the word, through serving Man, that's not work. That's filling up our cup to overflowing because when we give out, God gives us that much more. He gives us a double portion. And so we need to observe the Sabbath and rest. Praise God for rest. Number five, honor your father and mother. My mom loved to remind me of this one. All that, Number five. Number five. Honor your mother and father, and you will live long on this earth. And I'm like, I don't want to live long on this earth. Now I really do want to live long on this earth, okay? So, number five, honor your father and mother. Six, you must not murder. This is good. Seven, you must not commit adultery. All the spouses said amen. Eight, you must not steal. Don't be stealing. Nine, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor, even though you don't like your neighbor, even though your neighbor doesn't take care of their lawn, even though they leave their lights up all year long. I'm not saying that I, ha- I know a neighbor like that. I'm just saying, okay? Don't falsely testify against them. And you must not covet your neighbor's house. You must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or feeble, servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. I love this. Be content in all things. Don't compare your life to anybody else. I love that that that's in the Ten Commandments. Don't compare your life. Don't want what somebody else has. They have their own blessing. You have yours. And what I love about God's commands is that he did not create his commands to restrict us. He created them to protect us. It's not about restrictions. I remember um, being in the church, and I, I just thought, man, there's a lot of rules. Why are there so many rules? And I, and I come to find out the closer I get to the intimacy of my father, I learn that it's not about the rules. It's not about rules and restrictions. It's about him protecting me and keeping me safe and under his covering. It's not about restrictions. It's about safety within the promises of God and what he has. This is a guideline for us. I love in the middle of the Ten Commandments, Pastor talked about this a couple weeks ago. I love that this scripture is right in the smack dab middle of the commandments. In verse 6 it says, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. It's our foundation. It's our guideline for moral living. You know, in the past year or so, I've been wrestling with a lot in our culture, wrestling so much. And I've been watching conversations, you know, I'm one of those that doesn't really get in the middle of the argument. I watch it and I pray and I ask the Lord, God, 
what is it that you want us to set as an example for our culture? How do we rise up out of this immoral world? Not being a part of the argument, but a part of the peace and the love and the truth that God wants us to be in this world. WDTBS, what does the word say? Always going back. And before we get into the two subjects that the Holy Spirit's really been placing on my heart, we have to know our identity in Christ before we know our, our purpose. Because our identity will never change. Sometimes the purpose within, within seasons and within our time on this earth will shift. The mission will always stay the same. The way that we get there can change and will change. But our identity stays the same. We need to know who we are in Christ Jesus in order to apply the things of the word. We need to know who he's created us to be in order to apply his biblical principles. Ephesians 2.10, and this is the ESV version. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Everybody say, good works. Good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love this. Keep the scripture up for a second. We are his workmanship. We are his creation. We are his. We belong to him. Not to come in with our own, our own opinions, trying to remake what the creation looks like. No, he's the creator and we're the creation. To walk in good works. He knew us and prepared us beforehand. I love this. He knew this before we were even in our mother's womb. He created us and knew that you, it would be you sitting here in this moment, in this time, in this season, in this culture for such a time as this. He knew us and he says, walk in those good works. I love the walking in the good works. Man, we, we serve a good God. And so for 15 years, I was walking in healing for my chronic back pain. God, I'm walking it out. I'm walking. I have good works, God. And eventually he healed me. That's what happens when we embrace the identity of who we are in Christ Jesus. Miracles happen. Things happen in our lives. But we have to know who we are in Christ in order to fulfill the purpose and plan that he has for our lives. And this was really hard for me. Okay, this was really hard for me. In this journey with God, he's been so patient and kind and, and walking with me in this journey of healing and freedom. But for a really long time, even in my walk with Jesus, I struggled with shame. I made a lot of bad mistakes living in the world, drugs, alcohol, and I lived in shame. And what, what guilt says is you did something wrong. What shame says is you are something wrong. And so the enemy wanted me to live in that shame of my, my mistakes in my past. And what my identity in Christ says is that I am not defined by my past. I am defined by the promise and purpose of Christ Jesus in my life. And that's what I need to walk out. That's what we need to walk out, knowing that we are his creation, created by a good creator who loves us and has good things for us. We need to walk in the promise and the purpose, and we need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. What does the Bible say? Rising up from an immoral world and into the word. I want to focus on two things. We need to rise up from sexual immorality. We need to rise up from sexual immorality. This is a big subject right now in our culture. It's under attack. Marriages are under attack. Love covenants are under attack. 
And this is not the end. This is just the beginning. There's going to be more. We need to know what the word says in order to stand firm in the promises and the purposes of God for our life as followers of Christ. Man, I'm passionate about this. Because it's not about a restriction. It's about a safety and protecting the promise that God's given us. We're protecting the promise that God has given to us. Matthew 19, 4 through 6. And this is the message version. I love this. He answered, haven't you read in your Bible that the creator originally made man and woman for each other, male and female? Whenever we see this twice, when Jesus is repeating himself, we need to pay attention. Male and female. And because of this, a man leaves his father and mother, hallelujah to all the wives out there, everybody say amen, and is firmly bonded to his wife, becoming one flesh. How beautiful is that? One flesh. No longer two bodies, but one. Because God created this organic union of the two sexes. No one else, not a screen or any other person. No one should desecrate his art by cutting them apart. Very clear. The word is very clear. Listen. This is, this is not about what makes you happy and us loving people. Listen, we love everybody. When you walk through those doors, you feel love, you belong, you are accepted in the house of God. Okay, this is not about love because if love needed approval, if, if, we, if love needed approval on everything in your life, then God would have stopped loving us a long time ago. It doesn't need approval. We need to journey with one another and we need to know what does the Bible say. What does the Bible say? We, we live under this for protection and safety of our hearts. And when two become one before marriage, you're breaking a love covenant and you're giving your heart and your spirit to somebody that may not be your husband or your wife. And this is countercultural. Culture doesn't say be abstinent. Doesn't say save yourself for your spouse under a love covenant of the Holy Spirit so that you can be safe, so that God can protect you. We need to know what the word says. Because you know what? People are going to say things. Friends are going to say things. The school system, our culture is going to say things. People you look up to are going to say things about this subject. But we always have to go back to the word. What does the word say? Because Jesus is the word. He is the truth, the life. And under his protection, we need to protect that promise that he's given to us. And yes, there is forgiveness. Yes, there is grace. Yes, if you messed up, he will pick you back up. It says in the word that the righteous will fall and seven times get right back up. There is grace and forgiveness, but knowing and applying what God has given us today and move forward, fresh start, move forward in what God has for you, protecting the promise and the legacy that God has. Marriage is a love covenant between a man and a woman before God. And here are the excuses, okay? I had them too. Here are the excuses. Common law, common law. No, that's not God's law. God says, I want you to make a verbal and written commitment. Your choice, not, nobody, not government's choice, not living in the same house choice, but your choice between you and a person committed under God. Well, promise ring, engagement ring, you know, we're about to get married. No, she got a ring on it. You better wait for that ring on it, guy. Okay, the guy has to have the ring on it too. 
both of you, in love, commitment before God and man, to becoming one. We don't need a paper commitment to be committed. Listen, if, if God uses a paper and a pen and a book in the Lamb's book of life, we better know that it's important. I mean, he's God. He's the creator. He has it. He could be like, oh, I got everybody's name right up here. No, he has a pen and a paper, and he writes a commitment to you and I in the Lamb's book of life. And so he wants us to say, I'm committed to this love covenant before you, my heavenly father, and before this one person to become one flesh. What a beautiful depiction of love. I looked up the word purity in the dictionary.com. And I love that this is a secular definition of the word purity. The secular definition of the word purity. Freedom from guilt or, in, or evil, innocence. The definition of purity. Freedom from guilt and evil. How incredible. God wants to protect us from the lies of the enemy and not put us under guilt and, and shame and condemnation. God wants to give us freedom within the innocence of his heart for us. To be protected and safe under his covering. There's freedom in his commands. He didn't give it to us to restrict us, but to protect us and preserve the promise and blessing. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. In sexual sin, we violate the sacredness of our own bodies. These bodies that were made for God-given and God-modeled love. For becoming one with another. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? The place of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see that you can't live however you please? Oh, what makes you happy? Whatever you want to do. Whatever your truth is. Don't you see that you can't live however you want, whatever you want to do? Squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. Andrew and I had to learn this concept. We had an excuse. We moved in with each other to save money, even though we gave 90% of our money to the world, okay, in drugs and alcohol and doing whatever we wanted to do. We fell into lust of each other and lust of substances in our life, and we were all in in the world. And when we came to the Lord and we gave our hearts to Jesus, we said, God, we're all in with you. We may not understand because we were, really were saving money. We didn't understand the protection and safety under his commands and principles until we did it and we saw the blessing. We saw the promise. We saw the safety in making a commitment. And a lot of people, oh, I'm scared of commitment. It's too hard. There's safety and protection when we're under God's commands. It really is safe to know that I am committed to one person and that one person is committed to me and that they have said before God and man that they are not going to leave me for better or for worse. How beautiful of a promise. 
And yes, it takes selflessness, it takes sacrifice, it takes complete surrender and submission to the Lord. But man, there's so much blessing and favor that happens when we are under his commands and we follow it his way, not our way. And Andrew and I were blessed. We, we fought for this, this marriage and, the, and, this, and this blessing. We need to preserve it and protect it at all costs. What does the Bible say? So we talked about sexual immorality. The second part I want to talk about is we need to rise up from bad parenting. Oh, I, you know, I don't really hear about bad parenting and preaching very often. Um, I know that God put this on my heart for a reason and a purpose. Because it's not just about you being a parent. It could be about you being an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a great-grandparent, a teacher, an influencer, somebody that, a coach. Some, there's somebody that's young in, in your influence. And God wants to speak to all of our hearts pertaining to this subject Proverbs 22.6 in the message version. Proverbs 22.6, point your kids in the right direction. When they're old, they won't be lost. Point your kids in the right direction. In other versions, it says direct and train. I know my mom prayed this prayer over me for multiple years. I know she cried and she believed because I was lost. I was completely lost. And she got to see me come back to the Lord and be found again. What a beautiful promise that she got to see. And I want to encourage you all out there that if you're a grandparent, a parent, great-grandparent, aunt, uncle, that you're believing for somebody in your life, a young person in your life to come back to the Lord, there's hope. There's hope. There's, God can do anything with anybody, with any heart. And even you may say, I did not raise my kids. I'm, I'm in my 50s, 60s. I did not raise my kids in the way of the Lord. Listen, God can redeem. He can restore. He can come in and he can do whatever he wants. He's God. He's the creator. We have hope in Christ that we can believe that his promises are true. When we obey him, we're under his safety and his protection, knowing that when we plant these seeds for our kids, that they will not be lost. That is a beautiful promise for us. As parents, God, God calls us to teach, point, direct, train our kids towards the truth. We need to take this responsibility back. It's not about the school system teaching our children about morality. It's not about um, the, our, our, our grandparents teaching them about biblical principles. It's not about once a week coming to church where they only get the word once a week in Sunday school. We need to take that responsibility back. And teach our children biblical principles about what the Bible says. Get into the word with your kids. Pray with them. Ask them. I remember um, Andrew and I were doing a little Bible study with the kids. And Jude, he was eight at the time. We were having this Bible study about, you know, Adam and Eve and the, and the creation. And my son was like, hey, why did God create the serpent if he knew that he was going to tempt Adam and Eve, and they were going to eat the apple. I was like, dang, that's a good question. Let's look it up. <laughs> WDTBS, what does the word say? What does the word say? I didn't really have an answer for that. I'm like, you know what? Free will, you know, we, we may not always have the answers in parenting, 
but we have a God that does. And we can seek his face and we can seek his word. What does the word say on how to teach our children? Biblical principles, sharing life examples, and how to make good choices, re redirecting them and teaching them about sexual purity. We have these conversations all the time. My kids ask me everything and anything. And my biggest struggle is keeping a straight face. Yes, we are going to talk about that today. Where do babies come from? Ah, yes. The Lord wants us to teach our kids biblical principles so that they can grow up into men and women of God, standing firm in the truth of who God has called them to be. You don't want them growing up and people challenging their faith and them having no clue on how to defend their own faith. God wants us to know the word, teach the word, live the word. We need to know the word in order to do that. While we teach, train, direct, and redirect, the Bible tells us how to do that in Ephesians 6, 4. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, don't frustrate your children with no-win scenarios. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. I love that depiction of how the father wants us to lead our kids by the hand. Not kicking them, pushing them, but right here, side by side, because this is how the Heavenly Father does it with us. Leading our kids, leading the, the kids in our influence to the master. Not frustrating them or aggravating them, but leading them, directing them, training them through biblical principles, teaching them not to be three-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 17-year-olds, but being grown men and women, being able to follow in the footsteps of their mom and dad, their grandparents, their aunt and uncle, of the seeds that we've planted in their life. What does the word say? We need to train up our children. Listen, parenting is really hard, really hard. I ask myself this often, am I doing this right? Am I, am I doing this okay, God, right? Like, this is super hard. Am I too hard? Am I too easy on them? Am I giving them too much grace? Should I, should I be harder on them? And this is what the Lord said. I created imperfect people to lead imperfect people because I'm a perfect God. And you have me always to come to. And with my, my Ziki, he's my challenger, man. He, oh, he's like, he's a fighter, very competitive. That's me. I'm a fighter. I'm very competitive. You do as I say, as I talk through my teeth. And he's like, I ain't scared of you. I had to go to the Lord and ask him how to train up my kids. Not pushing them and forcing them, but leading them with a loving, graceful hand to the master. And I've had to say a lot of I'm sorry's to my kids. Lots of I'm sorry's. But you know that's built a beautiful bond of relationship and trust where when I share with them the commands and the principles of the word, they don't see it as restrictions. They see it as safety. You know, we don't yell at our kids not to run into the street just because. Right? We don't put restrictions on their computers just because. We don't do it to put restrictions on them. We do it to keep them safe and to protect their innocence. And, then, and so they don't get hit by a car, right? We want to keep them alive, spiritually, physically, emotionally, in every capacity. We need to know what the word says. We need to know what it, what it says. Colossians 
321 in the message version, parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. We don't pick and choose what scriptures we want to read. We want to look at all of it. And in order for us to lead our kids and build that trust, we need to not crush their spirits. Be encouraging, uplifting with truth and grace and teach them what the Bible says. In the New Living Translation, it says, Fathers, don't aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. We need to know what the word says. It even tells us how to discipline. Oh, that's too harsh. Listen, in love and grace, in a calm, non-angry scenario, we need to be obedient to the Holy Spirit on how to lead our children, lead, lead ourselves out of this bad parenting and follow the word and what the word says. What does the word say? WDTBS. Our marriages, morality, our kids are under serious attack. And this is why this has been so heavy on my heart. Because we need to step it up. We need to rise up out of this immoral world. And we need to know the word. We need to know it has to be in our hearts. Not to restrict or prevent us from having fun. Listen, Christianity is fun. I'm having a blast. Because when I was under shame and guilt, man, it was miserable. It was miserable. Depression, anxiety, lost. Under the covering and protection of God's commands, I found so much freedom. Fun and joy and peace to know that I am protected and safe with my Heavenly Father. He's good. It's not about restrictions, it's about protection. I want to read a, a blessing, but before I get into that, I, one thing that I hear often is, I'm under the New Testament covenant. I'm under the New Testament covenant. Listen, the New Testament covenant, I'm not in the old, I'm in the new. The New Testament covenant through Jesus raises the bar. He doesn't say, forgive your enemies. He doesn't just say, love your enemies. He says, pray for them. Pray blessing over them. He raises it up. The rich man came to Jesus and said, what should I do to follow you? Jesus says, don't just give me 10%, sell all that you have and give it away. Jesus wants to raise the bar. He wants us to rise up and stand firm in what God is calling us to and believe that we are under this beautiful promise and protection of his Holy Spirit. He's in us. Jesus said we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And even though our culture is against us, our friends may be against us, people in our life that we absolutely love and adore may be against us. You can do it. You can stand firm in truth and love with grace and show them the way. What does the Bible say? What does the word say? He is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no your truth, my truth. It's God's truth. We need to be under his protection. And I want to read this blessing. And it's actually titled, Blessings for Obedience in Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14. I love this. And I want to I speak this into you. I want you to open your hearts to receive. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all of his commands that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. 
You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to you, to your ancestors to give to you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in the heavens and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from one, from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. And you will always be on the top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of these commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. Man, what a beautiful blessing that God wants to give to his people who obey his commands. Getting into the word, knowing what the word says in context, not twisting it for what we want it to be, but cultural context, really researching, knowing what God has for us. Listen, there's so many resources. We have Bibles at the Welcome Center. If you have a smartphone, there's a Bible app, Version Bible app. We would love to connect you with that. There's devotionals on there. I listen to it every morning. This is my third year to do a Bible in the year, just listening to the Word. Man, He has so much to speak to us. He has so much to tell us. He wants to encourage us every day. He wants to inspire us. He wants to challenge us. And he wants to lead and guide us. We have to get into the word. We have to know it. And we have to know that what Jesus did was not for nothing. He died so that we could live under this beautiful command with grace and forgiveness. And know that God is with us always. Let's pray. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray with those that would say, maybe today you've never given your heart to this amazing God. You've never asked Jesus into your heart and you want to do that today. Or maybe it's been a really long time and you're ready to come back under the safety and protection of God, this awesome Heavenly Father. If that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray a prayer with you of rededication or dedication to the Lord. If that's you, just raise your hand. I just want to pray with you today. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Thank you. You can put those hands down. And if we could all just say this prayer together as we help those making the greatest decision. Say, Dear Jesus, 
thank you for dying for me. Thank you for your love. Come into my life and make me new. And from this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give it up for those who just gave their hearts to the Lord. Awesome.